a man is considered guilty for recording a song-by-song lyrical deep dive into Prince's musical catalog, give me the electric chair for all my future crimes. On this episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics podcast, we'll be talking about Electric Chair from the Batman album. And joining me on this journey is Karen Shedrick. Hello again, Karen. Hi, Jason. Good to talk to you again. Good to have you back. Good to have you back. We uh, last discussed Starfish and Coffee from Sign of the Times. A uh, very lighthearted, kind of fun, bubbly pop song. Um, but now we're talking about Electric Chair, which is, a, I would say, a different, quite a different sounding song from Starfish and Coffee. This is very guitar rock driven song. Um, it has uh, a very late 80s guitar sound. Like the sound, the guitar sound that Prince uses in this song is very similar to songs that he was recording around this time, like the original Raven to the Joy Fantastic to me sounds a lot like this song from a guitar standpoint, but it's off of, you know, the massive Batman project. So do you have any specific Batman memories or a Batman moment you wanted to share? Like where were you and what were you doing when the Batman soundtrack was released? And what did you think about it? I I thought it was incredible. I, you know, I was of course excited about the movie and I was I I was so happy for Prince that he had this opportunity to do a music soundtrack. You know, everybody was into the Batman movies, so I was really happy for him in this moment and I was definitely looking forward to this album. I didn't know what to expect because it is a soundtrack, so I wasn't sure how he would do it. So I was very interested to know, you know, what the songs would sound like in relation to the movie. So I was definitely excited about this album. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, so was I, so was I, I was very interested in it. I liked the idea of Prince um, doing something for a film again, because he had a lot of success with purple rain. And while under the cherry moon wasn't a commercial success, the album parade was, did, did quite well and had great songs on it. So it's like, yeah, I mean, this is kind of like Prince's wheelhouse. He's, he's good at making songs with, uh, with movies in mind or with, you know, film scripts in mind. And, and so like a lot of this album was written with the Batman movie in mind. Uh, Electric Chair, though, isn't one of those songs, which is interesting. So Electric Chair ended up not being a single released from the album, but it was a B-side, B-side to The Future, which was the first song off the album. However, The Future was only a single in Europe. So there, we never got The Future slash uh, electric chair here in the United States. And like the future, there was also a remix by William Orbit of electric chair included on like the 12 inch version of this European single. So people can check that out. You can go find that on YouTube or other places. I'm sure it's not officially released by the uh, Prince estate as of this recording, but you know, it's like one of those things, like if there was ever a Batman, you know, deluxe edition or something like that, I'm sure this would be included there. But this song was recorded in June of 1988, according to Prince Vault. So that predates Prince's participation in the Batman soundtrack. So this is before he was kind of commissioned to to write songs and record this album. So this is a song that predates the Batman, um, the Batman project. So what that means is, as you know, and I know, and I'm hopefully the listeners either already know or about to know, 
every song on this album is attributed to a character from the film. So like the future was, uh, you know, being sung from the perspective of Batman. Electric chairs being sung from the perspective of the Joker, played by Jack Nicholson in the film. But, of course, when he wrote the song, he didn't know that. So he kind of had to retrofit this song to to match, like, the ideas and tones and themes of the Batman project. And I think it works. I mean, yeah, so most as we get through the lyrics, we'll kind of understand this song is, is a song that's seemingly about, you know, uh, an attraction between two people and how they're their attraction and their love and their lust is so overwhelming and overpowering that it, you know, can be considered dangerous and, and and utilizing that imagery and that metaphor to talk about a relationship where like in the movie, of course, the Joker is more like criminally uh, focused. I mean, yeah, he does have lustful thoughts as well, but most of his actions are driven by anger and, and resentment and, and desire for power those kind of criminal activities not so much of the the romantic or sexual variety so there had to be a little bit of a you know a suspension of of belief here to make this song sound like it's coming from the joker but knowing that just the name of the song and how prince performs it i think it works as a joker song I mean, what are what are your thoughts on on that Karen, before we get started on the lyrics. Well, to hear the song, it does sound very sinister, kind of dark, uh, sexy. So I could, I can definitely (laughs) visualize the Joker in that scenario. Uh, The sinister, dark, you know, scenario to me that the, the song sounds like, you know, I can, I can visualize, you know, like a dark club, in Gotham City, you know, kind of crazy. So I can see the the influence of Joker, the Joker in this song. But like most people, I think, because of the lyrics, you think about, like you said, you mentioned a moment ago, two people connecting, you know, and deciding if they want to do the deed and, and you know, the criminal aspect of, of kind of giving in to your you know, emotions and your your sexual emotions towards someone else. So I can kind of see both in this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in the movie, the Joker gets what he wants mm-hmm. using intimidation and fear and vi- and threat of violence. Like he has the scene. So he has a girlfriend in the film played by Jerry Hall, who he then disfigures later on, you know, to make her look more like him. And so, so just imagining like Jack Nicholson's the Joker in the shoes of Prince in this song, it's hard to imagine that because he doesn't like he doesn't seduce women in this song in the same way that maybe somebody more sane and less crazy looking would do. <laughs> so he did, so they they use different tactics to get what they want to get what they want from women in the movie and in the song. But yeah, at the end of the day, you know, you just kind of have to like let it go and just understand maybe this is just how the character of the Joker would have, um, you know, thought of of a of a person who he was really attracted to and what his thoughts were and how evil maybe his his mind works 
because the song does get a little bit into speaking about the thoughts of 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 lust and how that relates back to sin and and what the bible says about lustful thoughts so i want to get into that a little bit too but um, yeah, that's my overall thought on the on the song. I like it. I think it's a nice rocking song. As a Batman song, you kind of, like I said, you have to just let go of the notion that this is actually being sung by the Joker maybe to enjoy it more. Or even if you do, you can think of it being the Joker uh, maybe as more of a, a younger man or somebody who hasn't quite completely turned to the dark side yet <laughs> like he does in right. the film. Mm-hmm. hasn't completely turned insane so that's how i think of it at least um and then going back just to the sound of it again like it struck me when listening to it and, and going back to when it was recorded so around this time this is already after love sexy had been released and he was kind of you know because prince was always creating always creating music and he was already moving on to ideas for his next project which was supposed to be Rave Unto the Joy Fantastic. That was going to be the next album after Love Sexy. And he was recording a bunch of songs there in the summer of 88 into fall of 88. Songs that, um, you know, sometimes we heard like Pink Cashmere. Um, other songs that ended up getting recorded, like he repurposed for other artists, like Sticky Wicked became Times Squared, which was off of Eric Leeds' album. God is Alive ended up being recorded by Mavis Staples. So there's, uh, I mean, another song, If I Had a Harem, never officially got released, but he recorded it or played it live during the Love Sexy tour. And this song, to me, I think probably would have fit quite well on to the Rave album if it was released in 89 instead of Batman. But when he was trying to like, okay, that's not a thing now. Now I'm going to do this Batman project. Which of these songs can I, you know, take, move forward into this project? What makes sense? A song like um, Pink Pink Cashmere or God is Alive. <laughs> he probably didn't have a, a place for it on a Batman soundtrack. But Electric Chair, because of its tone, and as you mentioned, it's kind of a, it has, sounds dark. It has, um somewhat dark lyrics a dark chorus and the whole movie batman has a dark theme to it there's a lot of darkness most of it's filmed at night a lot of the um, scenes are very dark looking that was just the imagery the movie presented and i mean it's the dark night after all so that's batman so um this the song made sense to move on and move forward uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, Karen, have you ever seen the Saturday Night Live performance of this song that Prince did in uh, September of 89? Oh, my goodness. Yes, I have. I actually saw it when it happened and I've seen it, you know, multiple times on YouTube since then. That is one of my most favorite performances by him. And I was going to mention because I that sealed it for me as far as this being my favorite song on the Batman soundtrack. You know, I think it was overshadowed by like Party Man, Scandalous. They were the more popular ones, but this one was my favorite. And when I saw him perform it, it that that was it for me. I mean, I it was perfect. I mean, it was a great performance. 
And I just wish that this song had had more airtime. But yeah, I did see that. Love it. Yeah, he didn't really play the song live much. So that Saturday Saturday Night Live performance is pretty unique for that. I, I believe, unless somebody can prove otherwise, I believe it's the only time he played it in its entirety. Like, not just like as a a little bits of it or an interpolation of it, but like from front to back, the whole song, every single verse, everything, the screams at the end. I think that Saturday Night Live performance was the only time he did it like that. I think so, too. I don't recall him doing it the entire song like that. I don't either. Yeah. And it's interesting also because this wasn't like a regular Saturday Night Live airing it was i believe during like its 15th anniversary special so there was like a special performance special show that might have aired during prime time instead of its a normal late night slot um i don't remember it at the time um so i don't have any direct memories to watching it when it happened i don't know if i even watched that um watch that special i don't i just don't know that was too long ago don't remember but what's kind of cool about that performance is it does introduce a, a couple of, of future long-term band members. Michael Bland was on drums, replacing Sheila E. So this was, like I said, September of 89. So Sheila was no longer part of the band. And Michael B. now on drums, and he would be on drums for quite some time in Prince's band. So first performance by him with Prince, live performance that is. And then we also had Candy Dolfer on sax. So he, so she replaced Eric Leeds, who was part of the, the Love Sexy tour on sax. So um, some tweaks to to his band at the time, and those would be, they would go on to continue to perform with Prince for many years to come. Um, okay, so then as we start looking at the song itself and the lyrics that go along with it, the song starts off. Um, you know, with guitar, because again, this is a very guitar driven song and it's, it has, uh, the kind of this little quirky bass line. I don't know if it's a bass line, but it sounds like a bass line. And then the guitar goes in the background and it does its thing. But then the first verse of the song. I saw your friend first. That's who I dance with. All the time I was watching you The music rocked us Our eyes locked us Making us see a trippy picture shoe He says, I saw your friend first That's who I danced with All the time I was watching you The music rocked us Our our eyes locked thus Making us see a trippy picture shoe all right, so with this first verse, it seems to be setting or setting the scene of taking place in some sort of party or a club or bar or something like that where there's dancing going on, music and dancing. And I get the the sense that Prince has started dancing with somebody. Uh, maybe this maybe these two women were there at the club together and whatever reason he started dancing with one of them but the whole time he's saying that he's watching her friend because he says i saw your friend first so maybe it was just like luck of the draw like she was the first person he saw that 
that he was somewhat interested in. So he started dancing with her. But then he realized, oh, wow, no, your friend is actually who I'm really attracted to. Because he was watching this woman the whole time he was dancing with her friend. <laughs> so, ouch, I guess, for the for the friend. But um, but their eyes locked, you know, and that's that's kind of the it's a pretty he's painting a picture, I guess, to me of just this the situation in a, in a in a club or on a on the dance floor do you um see anything different than that karen that's exactly what i saw i, I like that he got into it straight away what was happening um and the the part making us see a trippy picture shoe i thought that was cute and the way he did a play on that that word show or shoe i thought that was cute and that was different uh, so when, and I guess I want to get your take on it because I wasn't kind of sh- clear on what he meant by when they locked eyes, it looked like a trippy picture shoe. I mean, is that because when he saw her, he saw uh, some kind of image of her that made it seem like a picture show? I wasn't sure what he was saying in that in that instance, but. Yeah. The whole thing with her eyes locking while he was dancing with her friend, I thought that was classic. Does that happen? Yeah, yeah. Everything up until that last line, I saw your friend first, that's who I danced with all the time I was watching you, the music rocked us, our eyes locked. Okay, so that part is is very straightforward, right? Like, I think there's no real debate about what's going on here. But then he adds, our eyes locked, thus making us see a trippy picture shoe. And yes, a trippy picture shoe he said instead of saying show i think to your point he just said shoe because it had to rhyme with you mm-hmm. <laughs> like he right. just needed it to rhyme mm-hmm. so he just tried to come up with a, a clever way of still saying the same thing but making it rhyme so he turned show into shoe but what does that mean yes that is that is a very good question so making us see a trippy picture trippy picture show so uh, i don't know just maybe like their eyes were so Locked onto each other, and maybe there was some sort of uh, extreme lust all of a sudden that they were both driven by that clouded their their vision, made them maybe see in the future what potential sexual encounter might be like between the two of them. Uh, I'm just I'm reaching here because I really don't know either, but this is the only things I can maybe think of or or saying like it's almost like being on yeah. drugs. Or in a movie, I guess. Yeah, in a movie, sure. It could be like being in a movie and you're just kind of stepping outside your body for a minute and looking at yourself as if you're in a movie. Um, That that certainly could be it, too. So, But whenever I hear the word trippy, for some reason my mind goes to, like, I don't know, uh, Mm drug-induced visions or something along those lines. So, yeah, I mean, any or all of those could potentially be what he's trying to say here, so... Guess we'll just leave it open to interpretation as as it was probably intended. Right. Um, okay, so then the chorus. The chorus is cool because I, I just like how it's delivered. He kind of 
starts it with, with a slower stuttery delivery. If a man is considered guilty for what goes on in his mind, then give me the electric chair for all my future crimes. Oh. Uh, so if a man is considered guilty for what goes on in his mind, that's like the key, like one of the key lines of the of the chorus, because this kind of points back to what I was alluding to a little bit in 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 the opening discussion about having lustful thoughts, or because in this mind, because you could say yes, if a man is considered guilty for what goes on in his mind, you can apply that to anything, like. Uh, I'm thinking about killing you, or I'm thinking about robbing you, or I'm thinking about doing something else that is illegal or sinful. But with the context of the first verse in mind, you know, you get the impression that he's thinking lustful thoughts, that he's thinking sexual thoughts, that he's thinking of things like all the nasty things that he's going to do to her with her when they get alone right i mean that's kind of where, where my head goes with this with these lines of this chorus what, what do you what do you think about that or do you have a different interpretation i'm on the same page like he's dancing with her friend but he's already thinking about what he wants to do with her and he, he knows it's you know sinful or criminal and you know he's already guilty so give me the electric chair because <laughs> <laughs> I'm already guilty. So I, mm. I completely agree with you in that. Yeah, he's already guilty of basically doing anything and everything uh, under the sun with this person. And so he's like, yep, lock me up, throw away the key. Because right. if, if you're, if you're going to say that I'm guilty for sin just by thinking about what I want to do with her, then yeah, I'm absolutely guilty. And what this points back to, and I can't take credit for it again because I'm not I'm not that well versed in the Bible, but <clears throat> I, I use genius lyrics a lot. And one thing I like about genius lyrics, the website, is that it allows uh, people to provide annotations and comments about lyrics. And so somebody somebody that goes by R Dub, shout out to R Dub if you're <laughs> if you're listening, R Dub on genius lyrics highlighted. Um, uh, verse in the Bible from Matthew chapter 5. This is like verses 21 through 30. It talks about adultery. And so what it says in the Bible about adultery is that if you have lust in your heart, then you're already, basically you're already committing a sin. So the Bible doesn't take it like, yeah, you can think thoughts and that's okay as long as you don't act on it. And the Bible takes it you know, completely a different direction. Like you can't even think about, you know, committing adultery or having uh, sexual intercourse with somebody that you're not um, in a committed relationship with. That in and of itself is a sin. And so Prince being, because this is written right after Love Sexy, so he's still, he's still, uh, you know, feeling spiritual and having, I don't think he's completely abandoned his, uh, philosophies around love sexy and spirituality in the six short months after he recorded most of the album and the recording of this song so this kind of speaks to like the act of committing adultery in your mind or the act of committing a sin just in your mind and how that is still maybe considered well not maybe definitely considered a sin according to the bible and uh I think that that's kind of key, and I don't. I don't think I would have picked up on that 
I mean, I always knew that there was somewhere in the Bible that it was considered a sin to to think of think lustful thoughts or have lustful thoughts for you know somebody else that you weren't committed to. I just couldn't cite you know exactly where that would be in the Bible. So I'm glad that R. Dub pointed it out, <laughs> so I could I could reiterate it here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, with that, uh, do you have any comments about the whole adultery angle and lustful thoughts in your mind and how that relates to this song, Karen? Well, the Bible talks many times about thoughts. Uh, I think there's one in Proverbs, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, something like that. So I can definitely understand why Prince may have offhanded referenced the Bible in that verse. You know, because, you know, he did come from, what is it, uh, Seventh-day Adventist, Pentecostal type background. So he probably was familiar with that anyway. Um, so I could I could definitely see where that would come from in his mind in, a, in association with the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we all, you know, we all have, I shouldn't say we all, but most of us have thoughts sometimes that don't always align with our beliefs or our actions. Mm -hmm. Like we think things, but we either know better, know not to act on them, or just dismiss them as just thoughts. I mean, this is, our brains are very complex. It's a very complex organ. <laughs> part of our, So to say like somebody can never have a thought that doesn't line up with their beliefs or their actions is really difficult and unrealistic in my opinion. So but then again, I guess that's the whole concept around, you know, uh, asking for forgiveness for our sins. And I, I grew up Catholic, so I, I very have very distinct and vivid uh, memories that go back to when I would have to um, confess my sins. Mm -hmm. And a lot of and I, you know, speaking about this from 40, 30, 40 years later, but you know, a lot of times I would I would cop out and, and use the whole I had impure thoughts or something like that when I had to confess my sins because like duh of course I did you know I was a teenage boy like <laughs> what teenage boy doesn't exactly it was, and it was an easy sin to ask for forgiveness of because again it's not I think most uh, rational adults would be like okay yeah I get it you know you're forgiven <laughs> and move, let's say your prayers and move on you know it's not like I confessed that I acted on any of them or that I did anything criminal because again thoughts in your mind are not criminal at least not today and that's you know i think there's been some sci-fi movies out there that have kind of touched a little bit on like the thought police and and trying to figure out who's going to be the next criminal based off of uh, what what things that people can pull out of their brains like ideas and thoughts that they had in their brains and before they put them into action and it's it's a it's a fascinating idea, a fascinating concept. Like, can you prevent crime, like real actual crime, by tracking what people are thinking about, so you can stop the activity before it occurs? And yeah, that there's been, um, like I said, science fiction uh, movies and films or movies and books written about this type of, you know, police activity. Um, and it, I do find it fascinating because it's, it's a, it's a very f tricky subject because a lot of times our brains are our sanctuaries. 
-hmm. like where we can where we can be alone with our thoughts and think things and work through them ourselves in our own time and in our own way and try to figure out whether or not what our actions are going to be as a result of this thought process that we have in our head so Prince going this direction with the chorus, you know, if a man is considered guilty for what goes on in his mind, give me an electric chair from all my future crimes. He's basically saying, like, you know, you're if you're if you're going to if you're going to look inside my brain, you're going to find stuff that is uh, <laughs> is going to be considered either criminal or subversive or too intense for mainstream public. <laughs> I guess is my nice way of saying it. <laughs> uh, okay, so anyway, so that's um, those are my thoughts about the course. I think I just really wanted to call out the kind of the, the religious angle about it, even though it doesn't the song doesn't come across as religious. But I think knowing where Prince was in his life and how important his spirituality was. At the time, this course makes a lot more sense because I'm sure in real life he was still, as a human being, he was still struggling with his, uh, with the two sides of himself, you know, the um, the sacred and the profane. And he was still, again, I think struggling a little bit with that, knowing that this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I've said I'm going to do, but I can't help the thoughts that I have sometimes. And yeah. I'm not going to apologize for it. So I'm just going to sing gonna a song about it. going to get into them and accept the crime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to accept my punishment. And in this case, it's the electric chair. You whispered something. It took my mind out. The G major with the E in the bass. Your bass looks so good. I wanted to touch your mouth. My brain is jacking. The place. Oh, if a man is considered guilty for what goes on in his mind, and give me the electric chair for all my future crimes. Oh. All right, so then moving on to the second verse. The second verse is You whispered something that took my mind out, like a G major with an E in the bass. Your face looks so good, I wanted to touch your mouth. My brain is jacking all over the place. So one word that I took out, and you can add it or take it out either way, but when he says, you whispered something, it took my mind out like a G major with an E in the bass, you also hear him say G flat in the background. He doesn't say a G flat major. You have G flat with an E in the bass, or you have G major with an E in the bass, because it's two different Prince voices, one in the forefront, one in the background. Uh, if you just read the lyrics on Genius, it just says G-flat major. And I'm like, well, that's not really what he says, though. So I wanted to I wanted to just kind of call that out. With that said, with the second verse, Karen, um, what do you what do you want to comment about here? Well, the the whole G major with the E and the bass I thought was ingenious. And um, she whispered something. So I'm thinking that metaphorically, you could say, well, whatever she said was like music to his ears, basically, because <laughs> uh, he compared it to a musical note or a musical chord or whatever it is. I thought that was really unique. Um, or you could say, you know, 
it sounded like that, literally, like that mm -hmm. chord or that that musical note. So either way, you could kind of play on that as to what that meant. And you know, the, the my brain is jacking all over the place again in genius because you know he's thinking sexual thoughts, which is turning him on and could be you know considered orgasmic in a sense you know so his brain is literally ejaculating <laughs> i just mm -hmm. thought that was ingenious that he would you know put it that way that, that you know i can literally you know have an orgasm in my mind about you and what you're whispering and how i feel about you in this moment i thought that was really unique yeah, no, you you totally covered exactly everything I was thinking or had written down in my notes. That line, you whispered something, it took my mind out like a G major with an E in the bass. So not, I'm not a musician, so I don't know. Yeah. I can't I can't imagine what G major with an E in the bass sounds like. Somebody would have to play it for me. I don't I don't have that <laughs> level of uh, musical skill where I can just imagine what that sounds like and be like, cool. But I think <laughs> I think it still works. To your point, because he's either basically saying like, it's so like a music. This is Prince as a musician writing the song, like a non-musician, like a poet. I don't know if a poet without a musical background could come up with a line like this because he's essentially saying like, I agree with you. Like he's saying that this sounds like music to my ears, or maybe a specific sound or a specific um, you know note. And only that person and other maybe musicians know what that note sounds like. And the rest of us just have to take their word for it, <laughs> I guess. Right. Uh, but but I think, yeah, it still gets the point, the point across that whatever she whispered really intrigued him, turned him on, whatever you want to call it. Made it was sounded good, like probably a G major with the E in the bass sounds good. Uh, maybe it's a very pleasant sound. Maybe it's an erotic sound. I don't know. Um, your face looks so good that I wanted to touch your mouth. Okay. But then, yeah, the brain is jacking all over the place. I had the exact same notes. It sounds like he's having a brain orgasm. And, and Prince isn't going to just say, my brain had an orgasm. <laughs> so he's going to use, like, really kind of crude, vivid imagery about ejaculation. <laughs> because that's, mm -hmm. like, the Prince way, especially around this time, of really making something sound crude but actually it's pretty clever it's actually pretty clever in spite yeah. of its uh, almost um uh immature sounding verbiage that he uses it's actually more clever than you you might think based off of the word using the word jacking all over the place <laughs> and and what this does is this emphasizes again the mental over the physical mm -hmm. and this is something that prince really hones in on throughout his career is how good sex starts with connections and in, and in the mind and in the brain and it isn't just the physical that makes sex amazing it's also the mental and exactly. here you're saying my 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 mental state right now is so aroused i'm basically ejaculating all over the place and that's how turned on i am so he's very consistent in that in that messaging that the mental Mental is more important than the physical when it comes to connections and good relationships and great sex. Um, anything else with the second verse you wanted to touch on? I mean, the two big things we already kind of mentioned, but anything else? 
just the connection uh, between uh, him and this girl, you know, you know, looking at her face, wanting to touch her mouth. I mean, he was really connected to her physically and mentally. Just a very yeah. sexual, you know, and all of this is, I'm assuming, still on the dance floor, I guess. So it's like, okay, you know, there's a lot of stimulation going on at the club or, and I'm saying club, he didn't even say club. It could be no. at a concert. I mean, it could be anywhere where music is playing. Yep. But I guess because of the way the, the song sounds, it sounds like it would be in a club to me. Uh, but yeah, just the connection between the two of them. It's like nobody else is around. It's just him and her in this moment. That's the only person he sees is her. So it's very effective in this in this in this song. Yeah, her friend is out of the picture, obviously. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's already ditched her. Like they had their dance to their one song, and he's like, "Excuse me, I'm gonna go talk to your friend now." <laughs> right. Her, pr- her friend's probably just like sitting back by the bar waiting for somebody else or just looking at him like, screw you, man. <laughs> yeah, her, friend, her friend, too, is like, what are you doing whispering in his ear or whispering to him? And I, I'm, I just got to dancing with him. What are you doing? <laughs> Hopefully she's cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're still friends at the end of the day. Right. Okay, so, um, yeah, then the chorus again is the same. If a man is considered guilty for what goes on in his mind. And give me the electric chair for all my future crimes. Oh. Um, all right. So then the third verse, after a little bit of a musical interlude, we get the third verse. Let's take a drive, love, so we can make up our mind, love, to commit the crimes of passion. Sex is free. Let's take a drive, love, so we can make up our minds, love, to commit the crimes of passion that sets us free. Me loving you, you loving me. And then there's a little bit of a little more music, and then he says the electric chair. So again, like a lot of Prince songs, third verse's structure is is a bit different. It's sung differently um, than the previous two verses, but the lyrics here... uh, you know, it's just it just keeps moving for the the kind of like the story of the song keeps moving forward. So now, verse one, he sees her and they've got their eyes on each other, but they haven't really connected. Verse two, now they're connecting, probably in the same location that they met. Now, verse three, he's well, they might not have left yet. They're still potentially in wherever it is that they were in, but they're talking about leaving. It sounds like, or at least he's trying to convince her to leave. Let's take a drive. So we can make up our minds to commit the crimes of passion that set us free. And like the commit the crimes of passion that set us free is interesting because the whole idea of the chorus is like he's committing a crime in his mind that's gonna, you know, result in the electric chair because it's so you know, it's it's so um, lustful, so wrong. But he's okay with that he's saying i want to commit this crime of passion because it's ultimately going to set us free meaning like maybe set us free from from the shackles of of lust and finally uh consummate what we've been talking about or what we've been feeling and expressing through our minds through our our body movements 
and let's do this thing. Let's you know, let's do it so that we can be free of of all of this uh, lustful ideas. Because again, you know, it's the it's the thoughts that are going to send get him sent to the electric chair, not the actions. So he almost it's almost coming across like he wants to he wants to um, get past that so that way he can stop having these thoughts that are sinful and maybe what it, what else do you see about this third verse or want to comment about this third verse Karen yeah I'm on the same page I mean he's you know he's trying to you know have them collectively decide to do the deed um, and just commit to the passion that they're feeling and you know if it's the 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 line that sets us free i'm thinking he feels like you know rat well even though he keeps talking about guilty in the in the song you know i feel like he's saying you know let's just free ourselves from the idea of this being criminal and just you know go with the passion and go with our feelings because that will set us free and will actually not feel guilty in a sense but mm-hmm. You know, that that could be kind of interpreted a different way, I guess, because he's still saying, let's commit this crime. But he's saying that if we commit the crime, it's going to set us free. So that kind of. You know, I guess it's kind of two different ways of looking at it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little I would say that they're, they're a little bit in conflict with each other, like mm-hmm. his his act or his words make it still sound like he feels a little guilt a little bit of guilt for for these thoughts that he has about this woman you know the things that he wants to do with her just everything about this encounter he's still having some sort of at least internal conflict about it you know for him to call it a crime in his mind and also potentially a crime of passion meaning like it's not just in his mind like it's still a crime in theory, I mean, not a not a little literal crime that he's going to be arrested for, but uh, maybe a crime against nature, a crime against God, or you know, who knows? And then that's again, that's kind of like the brilliance of this song is he never explicitly states what it is in his mind that is going to get him the electric chair, or what this crime is that's going to be so bad that once they once they do it, once they consummate it he could potentially be com- you know committing a criminal act he does says that so you have to you have to use your imagination and yeah he's using hyperbole like okay having sex with somebody isn't a crime uh as long as it's consensual so <laughs> why are you going on about this being such a big deal like he's almost making it a bigger deal than it needs to be or you could use your imagination to think oh my god what are they going to do <laughs> like that's true like, what does he have planned for her? <laughs> and, uh, and it kind of works that way, too. Like, ooh, you know, Prince has got such a dirty mind. Because, you know, that's, that's of course, one of his albums. And, and the fans of him and people who like that aspect of him can really take this and start applying their own dirty minds to it. Oh, I bet your Prince is going to do this. Or I bet he's got this planned for her. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, you know, he's being all nasty without being nasty, you know. And it's all implied. It's all implied nastiness. It's like, oh, I'm going to be such a bad boy. You're going to have to give me the electric chair. <laughs> and I like that because it's he's still, 
He's still being clever about it, not being explicit at all. There's nothing explicit about this song. Mm-hmm. It's all implied and it's all, you know, kind of placed back on us as the listeners to how we interpret these these thoughts that he has and what he's planning to do with her that is so criminal, I guess. And that's that's kind of what makes it brilliant too. It does. It's a perfect way to uh, incorporate uh, kind of like a, a sexy rock number without, you know, alienating maybe some newer audience. Because, you know, this is Batman. There's going to be some younger, younger listeners to this soundtrack. Maybe that it, I guess it just depends on, like, if the person's so young that their parents had to buy it. Maybe they would see prints on it. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is this is the guy who was getting in trouble with the pmrc a couple years ago i'm not sure i want to buy this prince album for my my eight-year-old but then again there was you know no no warning of explicit lyrics or or if they were really paying attention like oh prince is getting spiritual now although the the nudity on the cover of love sexy might have caused them to pause but though the album still sold really well so i think at the end of the day there was still plenty of younger kids that listen to this album and the the concepts of electric chair probably completely went over their head and they were just thinking like you know oh the joker is such a bad man yeah he's going to get the electric chair for all of his his right. evil thoughts and his and the crimes that he wants to commit in his brain and and again that completely works it completely works for the soundtrack and for the song as a joker song and if you eliminate the whole batman concept joker concept it totally works as just a uh you know a sexy rock number two without any batman um context at all around it yeah i do i do agree that you know for a kid reading this they would probably think of it in terms of the joker right away because it's on the batman soundtrack um and i was going to ask so I couldn't remember. Was there a, a, an advisory sticker on this album or not? I, I couldn't remember. Nope. Okay. Nope. Completely free of, of parental advisory. He got one on the next one for Graffiti Bridge, which Graffiti Bridge doesn't even have that much explicit lyrics in it. I'm, I'm trying to even remember what. Yeah. Why, why there's explicit lyric sticker on Graffiti Bridge, but there is because he changed We Can Fuck to We Can Funk for the album anyway so it's like yeah. that would have been the easy reason why they would be if it was still the original we could fuck but it's not it's we can funk so i don't know if it was more like because the song still is so i don't know we're going off on a tangent here but i don't know if it's because the song we can funk is is so rooted in sexuality that they thought that it was uh too close to being the yeah. f word that uh <laughs> that the game they slapped the sticker it's more of a spiritual album. Not yeah, a, I don't know. I think there was some overzealous uh, um, stickering going on for that record. Because, hey, guess what album didn't get an explicit lyric sticker? Purple Rain didn't get one. 1999 didn't get one. And I know those predate it, so that's why. But even future copies. Like, once the um, explicit lyrics parental advisory kind of warning labels started go- coming out, you know, future 
future copies, printed copies of those albums could have been slapped with it. Maybe not the original ones, but they could have went backwards and started applying them after the fact, but they never did. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, this album, this album was pretty clean yeah. overall from from that perspective. And that I'm sure that was by design to to um, match the, the, the intended consumer base. Uh, the the whole me loving you, you loving me, this, you know, loving is can be used as a synonym for sex, too. So it doesn't necessarily have to mean like, oh, we're in love now, because, again, that's a tough, a tough sell that they're in love after one night of kind of lustful thoughts and dancing. So I kind of don't necessarily mean think of that meaning like these two people are in love. I just think of it more like me loving you, you loving me, more like the loving in the in the in the context of it being sexual, sexually based. Mm-hmm. That's just me. me though. Somebody somebody could think of it like, oh wow, they're in love. No, sure. <laughs> <laughs> come on, they just met. Let's, let's. I know. Yes, yes. The real <laughs> the realist in me is like, no, he's just using loving to replace sex. Right. <laughs> That's who I dance with All the time I was watching you Music rocked us Live shocked us Making us see a trippy picture shoot Alright, so then with the fourth verse Fourth verse is almost identical to the first verse I saw your friend first. That's who I danced with all the time. I was watching you. The music rocked us. That's identical. But it's this next line. Instead of saying uh, our eyes locked thus, he says our lives shocked us. So that's different. But he still then finishes it with making us see a trippy picture shoe. I've got to have it. And he says he says that later. So he's expressing a little bit more of that that lustfulness. Um, in that extreme desire, but our lives shocked us, replacing our eyes locked thus. I don't know. I hadn't, I didn't, I haven't thought too much about the differences of that or why he chose to turn it different or make a different, um, add a different statement here, different line. Don't know if it means anything. Our lives shocked us. I, I honestly don't know what that means, and I don't know if you have any thoughts either. Well, the fact that he repeated it, I'm. It's almost like I'm thinking he's looking back on that night, you know, what went down. And maybe this is more reflective after the fact. Our lives shocked us. I, I don't know what it means either, unless, I, like I said, he's thinking about, in retrospect, what happened mm-hmm. afterwards, maybe. You know, like he's looking back on that night when he, when he met her. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm all, yeah. all, all about that interpretation because he does, does talk again. He's talking about in the past tense. I mean, he uses past tense in the first verse too. So I right. danced with past tense. The music rocked us. Past tense. Our life shocked us. Past tense. So it does kind of give you the impression that this is coming from the perspective of a person who's reflecting on the experience. So yeah, maybe, maybe. He's, to your point, saying like a little bit shocked at how it all went down that night. 
so I, I like that interpretation as about as anything that I've could think of myself. So thanks. <laughs> thanks for adding that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but then that's that's basically uh, all the verses because then we get the chorus again. The chorus is the same. And um, but you can't can't ignore the outro because this is when you get some of Prince's best screams, mm-hmm. at least at least best Batman era screams, if nothing else. You know, I'm guilty for all my future crimes. And he screams guilty again for all my future crimes. And if you don't really love me, he screams that as well. Then give me the electric chair. So, um, yeah, so he's just the whole I'm guilty part is cool. I've always really liked him screaming out that he's guilty. He's guilty uh, just to emphasize that and, you know, how it plays back into the themes of the song. About being guilty the joker's guilty he's guilty of a lot of crimes uh prince as this if it's just a prince song he's expressing guilt for all of these lustful thoughts he's almost like he's uh, purging himself of these sinful thoughts that he's been having and you know i would assume continue to have throughout his life which has probably been always a bit of his struggle i think he's expressed this in song before where you know, he's a very spiritual man and, you know, values his religion, but he's also a very lustful man and, uh, and, and sexual in nature. And I don't think it was just something that he did for shock value. Yeah, a song like Sister is for shock value and Head is for shock value. Mm-hmm. But you don't consistently write songs with a with a heavy sexual focus throughout your career without there being some truthfulness to it i don't think so uh, by all accounts i think like this is still just prince going past the love sexy era but still understanding like i i'm not a perfect person nobody is these are some of my struggles and i'm gonna make a cool rock song about it (laughs) um so yeah i mean do you like the outro karen i do i'm like you i love a prince scream anytime any day Um, And I feel like when he screamed guilty, I almost thought of it like a like a judgment, like like in court. You're guilty (laughs) because he emphasized, you know, screamed it. You know, I I could almost see like a like a judgment, like a a judge screaming guilty at somebody. So, yeah, I'm I, I do think that it ties into the whole theme of the the song. Uh, And he just wanted to emphasize that again uh you know i've i've done the deed so i'm guilty give me the electric chair because i you know i gave in to the crimes of passion throw the book at me because <laughs> it's a done deal so yeah but i did love the scream it's classic uh, he's telling his lawyer at this point um <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna plead guilty and um you know we're not gonna we're not gonna tie up the courts court system any longer <laughs> yeah you know, i'm gonna i'm gonna accept whatever fate i get from this you know from this admission of guilt 
and we'll see what that go, how, where that goes. He's expecting the electric chair. That's how bad. That's how bad it is. He's expecting the electric chair. Um, give me the electric chair. Wouldn't that be kind of ironic? Like he's thinking like all of his crimes and all of his future crimes are so bad. He's going to get the electric chair, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna send you to the pokey for a couple weeks and <laughs> they were, don't worry friends they weren't th- they weren't really that bad dude you're not gonna get the electric chair over these uh these thoughts in your mind but um no but he he definitely thinks that it's worthy of electric chair so i guess we have to believe him since they're his thoughts not ours <laughs> right and we don't know what those thoughts are like you said we it could be anything so <laughs> yep yep uh. all right um but yeah that's that's electric chair great song i i I've always enjoyed the song performed live on Saturday Night Live was amazing. And I wish again, there were more performances of this song in its entirety because it does have a, a lot of great guitar in it. The screams at the end, the chorus is, is really fun and easy to sing along to. And, you know, like I said, the way he, this, the way he sings it isn't just a typical, in a typical manner. So it's, kind of once you get once you kind of figure out his flow you can sing along with it and and uh you know it kind of makes you feel like you've got some skill too because you can follow along with with prince as he's singing the chorus um second track off the album so like right after the future i think we've got two really strong songs for for the batman project two of my favorite songs off the album back to back right there to lead it off so that's my overall thoughts on electric chair do you have any um, final thoughts for your, of yourself, Karen, about the song? Again, it's it's my favorite on the album. And why am I thinking, and I could be wrong, that he said this whole, if a man is guilty for what goes on in his mind. Didn't he say that in another, another song on this soundtrack? Um, I believe... Oh, I thought he did. I could be wrong. But I'm thinking he said it in something in another song yeah is it part of bad dance maybe um you know maybe you can look it up and and add it (laughs) because i'm thinking he did yeah it's 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 definitely part of um bat dance like because bat dance takes a lot of samples and even sampled songs that were unreleased at the time mm-hmm. that never did get released but no he does he does include that that chorus or at least that that line of the chorus if a man is guilty for what goes on in his mind give me electric chair for all my future cry. yeah that's that's in bat dance yep yeah. absolutely okay. and then yeah. too uh back to the snl snl performance wasn't Levi on there too? Uh, probably, but Levi had been a part of the band. Yeah, the Love Sexy band. Yeah, yep. So yeah, he still, he still had Levi. Too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He brought Levi with him, or you know, he continued on with Prince's band after Love Sexy. Yeah. Overall, I think the the Batman album was a good album. A lot of people, it's not their favorite. Uh, but I think it I think it was a very good soundtrack for the movie. Uh, I thought he did a good job on it overall. Cool. Yeah, so do I. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks, Karen, for joining me on this episode. I'm glad that you were able to 
talk to me about uh, electric chair your favorite song from the from the record that's always nice when that lines out like that <laughs> so uh, again thanks thanks for being on the show again karen much appreciated you're welcome jason thank you for having me anytime anytime you're always welcome back on the show um, so i wanted to give a shout out to uh theo theo from the press rewind discord he is my very first patron so i i do have a patreon for the show i don't push it ever really but i do have links to it on my pressrewind.net website where i house the episodes and um just very thankful to you theo much appreciated for being a supporter of the show and um you know you know getting the word out whenever you can uh, and thanks to karen and thanks to all the listeners this has been the press rewind prince lyrics podcast i've been your host jason brenninger you can find the show, Press Rewind Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And uh, as I mentioned, there's a Press Rewind Discord where we try to have fun with Prince's music and discussions around songs, albums. We do um, little monthly uh, drafts now starting this year where we pick four random albums and and then start drafting songs off of it as if it was like a you know an NFL draft where... <laughs> you know what's going to be the number one overall pick from these four albums it's kind of fun then we create playlists from our from our selections so again i just wanted to say thanks to everyone and until next time goodbye